Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Lost Art Podcast. I'm Paul, and I'm here with Gar. That's me. And today we're going to be discussing musicians who said, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm out. I'm quitting. Now, either... See you rafters. Either the entire music industry or just touring or maybe even just doing albums. Mm. Whatever. This, uh, some part, they, they cut some part, major part off. Now, the whole career of a musician is touring and making albums. Those yep. two things. They don't fucking design the merch half the time. Some of them do, whatever. But these are the two main things of, of a musician's job to do is to make the music and then play it live. So if they quit one of them, it can have crazy effects. Yep. But most of the time, the, the record label is not having anything to do with someone who is doing a Rick Moranis. I'm yeah. out. I'm finished now. I'm done. Like a lot of the time, people can't leave contracts as well, which true, is very true. interesting. That comes up a few times as well. So this podcast is dedicated to people who either left the industry completely or gave up. Mostly, just gave up touring and said, "You know what? Touring must be fucking grueling. It's, yeah. it's not good on the body. It's not good on the mind." I wouldn't say for a lot of people. Yeah. You no, know, it is for it is for others as well. And you get to choose where you play. So we've made a playlist of the people who um, have said, "I'm out." Um, so who's your who's your first one and uh, why did they? First one is it's kind of a double whammy because it was it's Slayer and I picked God Send Death, which is a great song. Um, mm. Now Slayer are probably probably unique uh, on my choices for this playlist simply because they kind of knocked the whole thing on the head. They just retired, retired. They were like, mm. yeah, I don't. We're, we're fucking. We've done all we can. We've had enough, and uh, they well, went. They're not off. even that old. Not really, I man. There's definitely plenty, plenty of bands fucking doing the rounds. I mean, listen, S- Slayer formed in 1981 in California. For some reason, I never thought Slayer were a California band. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't know. I remember, why. I remember thinking they were from. Yeah, I, I know. I remember I found that out in around the 2000s, and even that did kind of. Like, they don't yeah, they just don't. And like, I know that, like, fucking nearly like the of of the the big four, which they like, which is Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, yeah. and Slayer. I mean, uh, Megadeth and Metallica. Like are both from California, so are Slayer. Um, Anthrax are from New York, which is you know I, I couldn't expect that that sound from New York. Now, I didn't think Slayer were from New York. I don't. I, I always had a feeling that for some reason I had it in my head they were from Chicago or somewhere. I was going to say that as well. Some sort yeah. of something like that. Something a bit over there, and it's mad because yeah. you can tell hip hop. You can tell West Coast from East Coast like in a second. Yeah, and I yeah. know that it's kind of crazy that so much trash and heavy metal, classic heavy metal, came from such a nice yeah it's weird what's nice weather yeah parts of california that are grim as fuck i guarantee there is um (laughs) so yeah they were one of the big four they know 12 studio albums um they decided they announced their kind of farewell tour in 2018 and it ran for it ran for jesus a year and a half it ran to like november 2019 that's about a tour it's regular for a tour for a big band isn't it yeah for a big world tour i mean they they came to dublin as well if you remember i didn't i didn't go because i I like slayer but i'm not i'm not gonna lie i've seen them too many times i like them yeah i've seen them i've seen slayer about four times now that's enough I've never I seen love, them. them. I've never seen them, and I like Slayer, but I, 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 Slayer suffer from a lot of lot of fucking uh, that, that fans being a pound of bollocks. They suffer from like Pantera fans. They, they're not. They're not nearly as bad as that. But I know what you mean. They like on a surface level, they're mad annoying. Yeah. But underneath that, they're just they they mean well. Slayer fans yeah, actually mean yeah. well. They're just a bit. They can come across mad dim, whereas Pantera fans are the ones actually knocking the shit out of each other. <laughs> um, big so hard the, man. Yeah. Big hard man, exactly. Now, like, the, the, the history of Slayer is kind of fraught with mad 
weird fucking shit. It's um, I knew loads about Slayer, but just reading about the kind of not necessarily revolving door. I mean, the the, the drummer end of things is definitely a revolving door, and uh, it's real. It's mad fucky how they how they went about the drum drum and stuff. But um, the last member to join the band was Gary Holt, um, who is uh, the main songwriter and guitarist in Exodus. Who really there should be a big five, I think, and I think Exodus should be the fifth one. Per- yeah, personally, um, I think, I, or, or at least Exodus and fucking Anthrax should be toyed. And I think Anthrax are maybe a bit more popular than Exodus, um, but Exodus fit more into the in with the rest of those bands um, than than Anthrax. But so I assume uh, Gary Holt went back to fucking Exodus. He already had uh, a touring band. He already had something going for him, you know. Uh, now he was brought in after Jeff Hanneman died. Now here's another thing, right? I always bought into the fucking legend that Jeff Hanneman died of uh, necrosis due to a spider bite. Right? Yeah. Always. This is 100% what he was the fucking... Well, yeah, we told, we were told he was fucking messed up by it. Yeah, like, so. the whole thing was that he was fucking dying slowly. He had a, a necrosis of his fucking arm or leg or whatever the fuck it was where he be, had been bitten by a spider and he continued to tour for a little while and he had the arm wrapped up and all. But it got to the point where he just couldn't do it anymore. And But it turns out that's not true at all. Um, really? He, he was bitten by a spider. And he no, did, I remember he was it was bad. Yeah. yeah, and he had a thing called uh, necrotizing fasciitis, and this is what every, when he died, that was just what everybody said. He died of spider bleeding. It turns out he died of uh, alcohol-related cirrhosis of the liver. It was liver failure he died of. Really? Yeah. So and apparently, the spider boy have anything to do with it at all? Maybe I might kick things off, but I mean, cirrhosis of the liver is a pretty fucking serious thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that like you have to be doing some amount of gargling to be getting cirrhosis of the liver. Uh, it's not for the fucking faint of heart, like. Gardening's so nice, though. I'm a big it's fan. Fucking, it's it's the devil, though. It's the devil. It's mad it devilish. Be, it's very devilish. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if I was on tour, I'd be drinking all day, every day. If I was sitting around doing nothing in bars, in places that sold out, yeah. what I might have to go on, I'd be like, can I begin this? Can I have that? Oh, what's that? Yeah. That's a new bird. I'll try that. I'd be a fucking dip so in about two weeks. Yeah, now the long the longest tours I ever done were like two, three weeks, and you we did drink every single day. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you was, of course you just was. did. Now I'm sure when you get to the point where you're doing world tours and all, after a while you just you get in your bus and you go to the gig and you fucking do your bit and you fuck off. You know what I mean? After a while, yeah. um you're probably having a few points during the week, but Boy, Jesus. It looked like, it really did look like Jeff Hanneman was fucking drinking like a madman. Now, apparently, the band hadn't a clue that he was that involved in alcoholism. They didn't know that, like, he had cirrhosis of the liver. They just, they, they thought as well that it was this fucking spider boy. That thought, yeah. like, now, that was him, uh, Jeff Hanneman doing was kind of the, the beginning of the end for the band. I think Hanneman yeah. was one of the, the key songwriters along with Kerry King, and I think Kerry King needed Hanneman to kind of keep him on track because if, if, when, when you listen to Kerry King stuff by itself it's fucking it's wild like it's all over the shop for a lot the of solos time. I can take or leave I yeah, do like them sometimes they're chaos kind of yeah. controlled chaos and they do yeah. make sense if you were to break it down but uh, sometimes I listen to a Kerry King solo and I'm like alright yeah, yeah. Exactly, it's it's, it's just it's it's too much. But that, I think this was the beginning of the end when when Hanneman died. Uh, Dave Lombardo was the original drummer. He's kind of he's the fan favorite, really. Um, he originally left in the middle of the Rain and Blood tour in uh, nineteen eighty six due to money. Right. Apparently, he was like, "We're signed to a big label. We're doing these big tours. We have a big selling record, and I can't play. I can't pay me rent and bills at home. Like, what the fuck is going on?" So he left the fucked off and done a lot of other bits and pieces. Uh, he came back for two more albums. 
a couple of years later, and then he left again in 1992. Uh, That's right. I remember. I didn't know he left before that, but yeah, I knew he left in the 90s. Yeah. So he left in the, apparently in the middle of the rain, rain and blood towards like fuck yes, stick it up your hole. Um, they yeah. they had a couple of other guys play drums. Eventually, Bostoff jumps in and he he does a couple of albums with them and a couple of tours. Uh, yeah. But well, Lombardo was back. Apparently, he taught, he had a, a child due. He said, "Listen, I'll, I'll tour whenever, but I need September off. Like the first two weeks of September, my baby is due, and it's my first child, and I want to be home, and I yeah. want to I want to fucking hang out with my baby for a couple of weeks before I go back out on the road." And apparently, uh, he got a, a fucking phone call off the management company or the tour company saying, "Like, I oh, know you are booked uh, for a festival, um, the first the, well, the first weekend in September." I'll just not see my child, my yeah. brand new child. Exactly. Like it's like it's a fucking I don't know a plumber knocking around to fix the pipes. Exactly. Someone else can someone else be there for a yeah. Madness. Uh, so he told him again. Once again, he tells him to fuck off. He's like, "Listen, I'm fucking out. Bollocks off." Um, he comes back again in 2001, and then he leaves again in 2013 over a pay dispute. Like the fucking, he's in and out like three or four times in the history. Uh, Paul Bostoff covers from many, many fucking times. So you're pretty much your only two original members are Tom Araya and Kerry King, and it seems like fucking everyone in the band, bar um, Tom and Jeff Hanneman, were kind of kind of cunty like Lombardo seems like he's a bit me myself and fucking oi and uh, like, I don't know like maybe seems, it's just there seems know. to be just too much you know what I mean like you can't I, think ju- he's, I think he's just not into that whole you see he's in like a couple of bands yeah, yeah. he's in Phantomus and he's in Dead yeah. fucking Jesus Christ my brain has gone to shite tell me about it, it. Sunday, we were recording <laughs> a Sunday for the first time by the yeah, way exactly after our show and it was late it was very late yeah. it was good um, yeah, he played. He played with a bunch of bands. He played with a bunch of punk bands. He played with a bunch of fucking metal bands. Played with a bunch of rock bands. Um, kind of in between and all over the place. And I think that you could be right. That could be more what he was interested in. Um, but uh, I think, like I said, once Jeff Hanneman died, I think just the spark was gone. They were like, you know what? Could you be fucking ass? They also had a string of a couple of albums that didn't do super well. Um, so yeah, he's going back and he's playing. Maybe some people just a dead cross the same. Maybe some people just love playing original music, and if they play yeah. the same. If you've done the same cities with the same set lists, yeah, fucking forty uh, years, like it's, it's a it's a big run. So Slayer at the end, they say, "Listen, we're going to do a farewell tour, and we're going to leave. Um, we're going to go out on our shields. Essentially, we'll do this full world tour. We'll make sure everybody hears the fucking hits they want to hear. We'll give it our all every single night. We'll bang this out, and we're just going to walk off into the sunset." Now, my question with a lot of these uh, groups and acts and singers that we're going to go through tonight, my big question will be if if they're not dead already. Um, Will be, will they stay retired? Now, yeah. I, well, a few fuckers threw me off, man. I'm not gonna yeah, lie to you. Yeah, a few of these fuckers made fools of me. And it was too late for me to change it. Yeah, it happens. Like, I've got- in my head, I had this idea, especially fuckers from the eighties. Yeah. I thought I said, you know what? That's deadly. They retired. I checked on tour every day this week, like, or whatever. Like not this week, obviously, but last week. I was like, made a fool of me. There's a few people on this now. I'm, you know what? But so I've just had to change it to retired. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, over a decade. Oh yeah, so exactly. They took a while off. Moved <laughs> every time with, with this. But look, there will be people that will hear stuff like that. Well, obviously, we know Slayer are gone. Slayer are, are gone. Um, they, uh, I can't imagine that will be a thing. And if it is, it'll be awkward and weird. And, um, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me that if in like six, seven years' time, they're just throwing a lot of money to do like a Coachella or something like that, or a Roya Fest, you know? One of these big yeah. festivals that, that is, is famous for throwing big money. Like you've got... Um, 
there's, there's one for like a hardcore music called This Is Hardcore. And one of their big things every year is that they just go out of their way to find all these bands, like big yeah. bands that disintegrated in like the late 80s, early 90s. And they just throw them a lot of money and they do one-off gig and that's it. You know what I mean? And everybody yeah. who loves that band flies over to fucking wherever it's on. And uh, I think it's usually Chicago. And I think that's cool because I mean, if you give up those songs for five years and those fans for five years, you'd be like, oh, fuck, I do miss that. But I don't miss doing it every so day for the exactly. same season without, without having a year off or it, you know? Exactly. I have no problem with little ref- reformations and mini yeah. tours and shit. That doesn't really bother me. It gives people who missed stuff the first time around. Like, I missed Rocket from the Crypt the first time around. And I've seen them twice now on this reunion tour. You know what I mean? That, that's me happy. Mm. Yeah, but that's, listen, that's my first one. That's Slayer. And Slayer, I think, might be the only, out of my choices tonight, they're the ones who, like, full on, they gave up all aspects of the music business. Now, apparently, um, they've all said, listen, we don't know whether we're going to knock music on the heads. But yeah. I know Kerry King is doing some stuff with, like, Dean Guitars now, where he's, he's like, pimping guitars. And I'm, I'm sure they'll yeah, all be kind of gun for, gun for hire. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure all of them will just do, do some kind of gun for hire type shit, you know? And we'll be doing the rounds. Uh, but that's my foursome. That's Slayer. Who is your foursome? Oh, it's been so long. It's been over a year. One of my favorite artists. I've never gotten them on. As far as I know, I've never put them on a playlist. Because I couldn't pick the right time. But this is the one. Now, finally, I get to put on Captain Beefheart. Oh, finally. Tapping. One of my favorite artists of all time. Genuinely. like, And it was only my brother-in-law about... God, it was only, only about 10 years ago. Yeah. I really listened to like more than I'd already. I'd heard bits and bobs, but yeah, it's one of those things you can't really get into. Be fair, it's too mental. It's too mad. I thought, you can come in at the wrong time at the wrong place, but whatever happened, he gave me the right album at the right time. Yeah, and uh, over ten. That's over ten years ago. What am I saying? But uh, since then, I just dug deeper and deeper and deeper into the mm. absolute madness that is Captain Beefheart mm. and his magic band. Um, so I picked Floppy Boot Stomp as the. As the song I want to do. I listened but to this earlier. It's fucking batshit. It's so, that's not even <laughs> that weird. Yeah, this is one of the more accessible things yeah. from. Um, that's from the Shiny Beast album from 1978. Um, so, Captain Beefheart is Don Van Vliet. Don Van Vliet. Right. Um, and he's written some of the most incredible, absolutely incredible artists or uh, uh, albums of all time. As, as far as I'm concerned, he really is. I think he's he might have been a genius. I yeah. think he was a genius. He wasn't a particularly nice person, but he was a genius. He's if if anyone has never heard Captain Beefheart, you will definitely come in on the wrong song. Try again another while, come yeah. back in again if you can. You don't, you don't, Grant. It's kind of avant-garde experimental rock. Yeah. Um and he was active from the sixties to the very, very early eighties. But before music, he was actually considered a child prodigy when it came to like sculpting and art. He was really like really? people yeah, he worked as um and what do you call them? Jesus. Oh my God. There's entire bits of my brain missing. <laughs> and I didn't even drink. I, I had a few drinks last night. I didn't even many like it. You fuck all last night. Yeah. Um, apprentice. He was an apprentice with a sculptor who went, who told his parents, this kid is, he's going to be fucking huge in the art world. This kid's going to be huge. Whatever happened anyway, he decided, no music. I want to do music. Um, Ca- the, Captain Beefheart and his magic band were not hugely famous. They had a couple of bits of bobs around but it was more the influence that they had it was one of those bands that are way ahead of their time and um he's friends with zappa and he i think he actually was yeah. on zappa's label for a while and they had a live album together and all that if anyone knows that film frank with um michael fassbender with he has the uh frank side bottom head on 
Uh, so it's a mixture between two of my favorite things, Captain Beefheart and Frank, and Frank, because that movie is loosely based on the making of the Trout Mask replica album by Captain Beefheart, where oh, really? they had no money. They just wanted to do everything mad. They went out into a little house <laughs> just to do the whole album themselves. Those was kind of crazy stories to hear that. I absolutely love those stories about mad albums. Like even yeah. Radiohead, OK Computer, which we can't do a podcast without mentioning apparently. <laughs> uh, they did a thing. They went to do a house and just did yeah. that album and just it's just locked it away. Not, not in a big studio or anything like that. So um, he was a dickhead to his band. Really? He didn't treat them well at all. He didn't pay them enough. Although he wasn't even getting that much of the time. He wasn't paying them out. And they were apparently going to the shops and like begging for food and stealing and stuff. They had no money, no food. Mm. They were going hungry. And they had to get like loans and stuff like that off their parents. They're telling people, go, just to keep going, yeah. yeah. So he's still doing the music. And the Beefheart name, I think, it's, he, he, every t- the thing about Beefheart is every time he was asked about something, he'd give a different answer to everything. Oh, really? Whatever he felt like at the time, he was making shit up. Absolutely making shit up. So people ask him, where does the name Captain Beefheart come from? Yeah. And uh, one time he said it was him and Zappa were coming up with superhero names. Yeah. That would be his, which sounds plausible. Another one, he said very early on, he said that his uncle had a habit of exposing himself yeah. to his girlfriend, to, like to Don, Captain Beefheart's yeah. girlfriend. Um, he'd piss all over the floor and stuff like that and he'd mumble around with his dick in his hand and one day he just walks into the room with his dick in his hand like squeezing it Fuck. and he went look at this big fine beef heart ah! <laughs> so, <laughs> look they had loads of deadly albums they had like Trail Mask which is supposed to be like his masterpiece Lick My Decals Off which is actually 30 years old this year. 30 years it can't be fucking 30 years old 40, 50, 50? Yeah. 50 years old 50, maybe yeah. this year, um, this year. Folks, you're in for a tonight. You're in for a tonight. Yeah. It was a yeah. long day. It was it a long was, night. Fucking, it was. I didn't sleep. Uh, fuck all last night. Either. I didn't really sleep. You see, yeah. because I live beside a building site, the wind gets to travel at full pelt at the house. Savage. So anyway, um, yeah. So after a load of legal trouble with those albums, I want to I want to talk about the later the later years. You should have put a um, bit of NASA on. <laughs> we talked about that yesterday I get very sleepy listening to those NASA you know and Gary's absolutely fascinated with this fascinated pre-lunch checks listen to the pre-lunch honestly, checks before bed like I know it's mental <laughs> Not me. no it wouldn't be before bed no it's only for the daytime sleeps that they were oh for a little naps yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I never tried that Sle- anyway, sleeping so, for me now is just a race against needing a piss that's all it is that's how old <laughs> I am I swear to god I just get into bed and I go to sleep before you need a piss that's my old life now anyway oh, tell me more man. about Captain Beefheart come on yeah so we before after all those legal troubles troubles and before he retired he had three albums with um Warner music, but he just come awful trouble with Virgin because when he's paid to make an album, he just went out and spent it. Didn't make the album. Of course, but that's a lot of people that did that. Yeah. So the last three albums with Warner, he didn't get the old band back. He got these. He said, I think he might have either said to Warner, "I don't have a band anymore," and they yeah. went, "We're, we're going to set you up with." And the kids that he got into that band are fucking phenomenal. Like just mm. savants, and that those last three albums are absolutely brilliant that's that uh, shiny beast was one of them but he retired in 1982 okay and i think it was coming out around then that he had really bad multiple sclerosis Oof. we don't know whether that's the reason he retired from music or not but he went you know what i want to do i want to do my art like i used to yeah. do 
So, might not have helped, you know what I mean? Fucking being up on stage. Helped, exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Lepping yeah. around. He's, he's fucking, he's batshit. Yeah. He wasn't a nice person to his band. He wasn't a nice person to his parents. There was a story with Zappa telling him when he went over to meet him for the first time to make a bit of music together. He was there with his parents and he kept screaming to his mom, bring me a Pepsi. And the man really? came up, here you go, son. Like thinking he was a genius. That didn't matter how, how he acted because that's how geniuses acted. Zappa was like, this cunt, this kid's a cunt. But he just sounds like, like a special needs fucking head. You know what I mean? I don't he know. Just, he might have been. He's just, he's just a super, super talented genius, but yeah. not quite there on maybe social yeah. terms yeah. Um, well this is the crazy thing when he went back into art it exploded people really? that didn't even know or care about his music were like this guy and this guy is brilliant like hmm. really really good expressionist painting yeah. and he started to get really really good prices for his paintings and he started to be he's in galleries all across the world now yeah. it wouldn't have helped it wouldn't have hurt that he was Captain Beef Beef art. Art. Yeah, yeah. but to the art world Kind of semi-popular avant-garde rock yeah. music. They don't. They don't really care. Yeah, not, not really. Not, not, a lot of people in that kind of art scene. They don't listen to music. Yeah, they'll say they do. Oh, of course they do. Yeah, yeah velvet yeah, underground. Yeah. Um, he became really established at that. Mm. Um, and I think I was looking. I remember a few years ago, a little while after he died, looking up just to see on some sites what it would be because he had loads of just drawings yeah and they were going for like 50 grand and shit fuck holy shit like it is like if you look at his art some of it is incredible yeah his very last album Ice Cream for Crow apart from the fact that they, someone maybe him superimposed a picture of him onto the cover mm. in a box the artwork behind it is like oh I don't know it's really fucking hard to describe it's almost yeah. not, not Pollock but I don't know. It's really, really, really good. Now, some of it looks like unfinished work. Like yeah, one of my yeah. favorite albums with him, Doc of the Radar Station, looks like someone, he half drew it and mm. just gave up. <laughs> but he died, he, died, he died 10 years ago of um, complications to multiple sclerosis. Oof. I will always listen to those albums. Yeah. Like, I just can't get enough of them. It takes a while. Some of them are just like, oh, that is madness. Yeah. The, the rhythms, the polyrhythms, the, and apparently he was telling his band, I want the guitar to go, and they were like, okay. And I want the drums to go, blah, blah, blah. and then when they started playing it, it actually did come together. Like, yeah, right. yeah. Like, this is actually really okay. He saw the pieces. So, like, Yeah. So that was the madness of Captain Beefheart, who I'm finally glad to get onto the uh, podcast in some shape or form. Who is your next person who uh, quit and said, I'm out? I'm out. My next one is Sir Elton Hercules John. Is he, is he gone now? Uh, he is in the. He should kind of be nearly gone, but he's still on the gone-in. <laughs> he's gone-in. So, um, yeah, Sir Elton Hercules John, uh, who has the Companions of Honor, fucking OBA and a CBA and Order of Chivalry and all the fucking malarkey, uh, yeah. born 1947 as Reginald Kenneth Dwight, um, one of the biggest selling music artists of all time, has sold over 300 million records. Like, 300 that million records fucking madness fucking he is the most successful just for the, just, just for the, the, the like let's say uh kenny west has sold 25 million as yeah. far as i know uh but 300 is insane 300 million albums worldwide he is the most successful male solo act of all time he has he? yep he has five grammys five brit awards hang on hang on yeah M- this is MJ? batshit mad MJ? batshit mad bigger right. than mj what? More more than M- Michael Jackson? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense because while he was doing that, Michael Jackson wasn't a solo artist for years and years. Yeah, and years, you know? yeah. Well, okay. when he started, like fucking, yeah. he had a, and he and he still got one. And Michael Jackson obviously that's, isn't. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, so yeah, three hundred million albums. He, uh, I have a list of his accolades here. It's fucked up. So he's seventy-three years of age. He has five Grammys, five Brit Awards, two Academy Awards, a Tony Award, a Disney Legends Award, and something called a Kennedy Center Honor. I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, launch some, launch some fucking Kennedy Center. This is NASA, isn't it? I, I don't fucking. I'm the Kennedy Center. On, I don't know. I didn't even. I didn't even click the link. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. I find, I find out, and we'll, we'll talk about it on the show next week. Um, yeah. uh, da, 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 he uh, was the owner of Wat- Watford Football Club from 1976, right. yeah. 1976 to 1987. Then he bought it again in 1997 and had it until 2002. Big football head, big time football head. Yeah, he's mad um, to Wofford. Wofford yeah. are really good side. They got, I think they were relegated this year. Though. Um, there's been over 31 members in his band. Um, uh, he's he's kind of, I think he's had the same. There's been two or three people that kind of been with him since the get go, and then yeah. uh, most of them tend to be kind of session musicians and people from other bands who just kind of jump in tour to tour. So tour, uh, 31 people since 1970 have jumped on. So in 2018, he started a, a three year retirement tour called Farewell Yellow Brick Road, and it started yeah. on September 18th. It was supposed to run till December uh, 2021, but obviously it's on pause right now because of uh, because of COVID and shit like that. Yeah. So he said himself, he said, I'm not going to stop recording. Um, I'm just not doing tours. I just don't want to do world tours anymore. So he's got two kids with his husband and he wants to, he wants to, he's mad for the kids to be uh, footballers. So he's like, I want to bring the kids to football training. And I'm and jealous wanna... of his kids, man. I'd love yeah, to work yeah. with Elton John as my dad and exactly, have yeah. loads of money, but also have a mad dad. Yeah. A mad dad with loads of money. Exactly. Yeah. I'm mad. I'd be mad into that. Um, his kids are called Aloya um, or Elijah and Zachary, and uh, six and eight respectively. So they're still young, and he wants them fucking playing football, and wants them to have a real kind of childhood, as opposed yeah. to fucking you know daddy being gone. Well, one of the daddies being gone for the whole fucking for the whole year, you know. So, yeah. so I'm gonna bang this out, and get this fucking tour over and done with, and I'm gonna come back. And he said, "Listen, I'm gonna keep recording albums. I want to keep playing music. That's what I was put on air to do." And he said, "I'm not against doing like once-off gigs every now and again, and I might even deal with little." residency in Las Vegas or something you know for a fucking two weeks out of the year as long as I don't have to move around when I can bring my kids with me and all this kind of shit I'm perfectly happy doing it but these big tours these world tours forget it he's like just the more you read about this podcast man I don't know how people do those big world tours yeah like Japan looks incredible Switzerland looks amazing Belgium New Zealand but after 40 years you might be like yeah, like I know the world more than most people. Exactly, and so I do. I know exactly, and you you might not even be getting to see too much of these places. You know what I mean? That's another epoxy thing about it, man. Exactly. Like I, I, amazing places, and that's it. Like, I list off fucking forty cool places in the states or Europe I've been, but I couldn't tell you fuck all about them. I'll tell you what, like yeah. the, the airports look like, and what the roads look like, and what the venue I played in looked like, and yeah. maybe I walk around the venue for fucking an hour before. But like, yeah. I don't know anything about the place. So you can imagine if you're a fucking a big name, you're Elton John, you're not going to just start walking around fucking Baltimore. Look, when I release this album, I'm just going to have to get used to it, man. Yeah, it's I'm fucking be hard out there, man. Up. Yeah, but look, I'll, I'll, I'll suck it up, you know. <laughs> I, I'm, this whirlwind that this album's going to cause. 
Well, I put it on SoundCloud yeah. and two days later, I've already forgotten about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Listen, that was Elton John. I put it up Rocket Man because I'm a big Elton John fan. I don't listen to him all the time, but I like loads of his stuff. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rocket Man might be his biggest song, but it's a fucking killer song. And it's Rocket Man is one of my favorite songs. And yeah. I'm not even, yeah, I'm not an Elton John fan. At yeah, all. I like some of his stuff. Some, I'm not going to lie to you, through the 90s, I fucking hate it. Oh, I can't do it's all that really... candle in the wind, fucking shit. Princess Dad in the car. Yeah, that's I not can, the lyrics. Not, not for me. Like fucking. And then I, next year someone will die, and he'd be like, "Now yeah. you're the candle in the wind." But yeah, to be garbage. honest with you, the more I dug into like the, some of the rock and roll stuff, it is good. Like mm. Saturday night is great. Well. Saturday night's alright for fighting is a fucking killer. Tiny dance is one of the greatest songs ever written. Like he's just he has he has the fucking he has the brain for it. Um, and your song is a beautiful love song. To be fair, it is. It is. Um, right, that was Elton John. Who is your next one? My next one is the most unique female solo artist I think of all time, Kate Bush. All right, yeah. Kate Bush. Uh, everyone knows Kate Bush, the iconic albums, mm. Hounds of Love, Central World, Never Forever. Uh, she also, I think we've mentioned this in the podcast before because she has come up a lot. Um, she was the first woman to reach the UK number one with a self-written song, Woodrow mm. Nights. That's right. Um but her first and only tour ever lasted mm. six weeks. Six weeks. That's six mad, weeks, that's it? it. That's all she done. Her very first tour only lasted six weeks. Some people put it down to the fact that she had a fear of flying. Mm. Some people say attributed to the fact that touring drains creativity. Mm. I don't believe that because it was six weeks in. This is the one I'm going to go with. I think it's fairly, fairly standout-ish. Her lighting engineer, Bill Duffield, was killed during a warm-up gig uh-huh. when he fell 17 foot under the stage into a, like a lower part of the concrete stage. And he was only 21. It was the Oof. same age that Kate Bush would have been at that same time. Mm. She wrote the song, uh, Blow Away, for him, mm. and then she never toured. Mm. So that, to me, now, that, to me, would have been around that time, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so she still continued to go on and make those absolutely amazing albums, but she wasn't touring. Yeah. It's just not a thing. And I find a lot of people that do are trying to desperately push boundaries forward, pull back from the live. Because all you can do is just play the songs. Also, if you had mad, crazy layers like Enya, I remember reading an interview with Enya a while ago, and she was like, maybe, well, this was an old interview, but at the time she was still saying, I might be only getting ready to play gigs because the music I write would be nigh on impossible. Yeah. It was impossible through the 80s and 90s to do her music live, apparently. Now, I don't know what, what she means by that. She might not want to go with backing tracks, in which yeah, case yeah. you record your vocals a thousand times plus, which any of those, you can't do that live. No. I think a lot of Kate Bush stuff live as well, but she also wanted those crazy mad videos in a live performance version. Mm. And maybe for whatever reason... She came up with the idea of having. I'm not putting. I'm not saying this. I'm just saying, saying this is the facts. I'm saying there could be something like she wanted the stage to be hollowed out or something. Now, uh, whatever way, she could have blamed herself. She hasn't really spoken much about it. But um, when she released the red shoes after her mother died, her mother's from Wexford, by the way, or Waterford. Really? Yeah, her mother's from Waterford. I did not know. Um, that. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah Bush. Well, it's Hannah Deary, I think it was mm. Hannah Deary. Um. She planned to quit because I think it was around the same time as her, uh, one of her children was being born. Mm. So after the Red Shoes came out, she was supposed to quit for one year and that became not just quitting music, 
but quitting the public eye for 12 years. Oh, yeah. So not only did she retire from touring from the late 70s till then, she's now given up recording music, mm. which is a real shame. I think she was still writing it. I'm pretty sure because when she came back yeah. out in 2005, she released three banger albums in a row. Yeah, she, she came she out was, came out strong, didn't she? Yeah, with Aerials, and it's a really, yeah, really good yeah. album. So if I remember thinking, I remember hearing going, Kate Bush releasing new I was like, bollocks. It's mm. not going to happen. Yeah. Bollocks is not going to happen. And when it did, it's a double album, and it's got incredible songs on it, like uh, mm. How to Become Invisible and stuff. And it's, I just remember listening to just going, that is exactly what Kate Bush fans are going to want after, mm. after Jesus, that's, that's 12 years. Um, she also did do, in 2014... And I'm fucking raged and I didn't get... It was actually nearly impossible to get tickets for this. 22, I think it was 22 gigs in the Hammersmith Apollo. Fuck. Which also is not touring. Mm. That's not touring. If you play... No, it's a residency, yeah. Venue, a residency in a venue, that's not touring. So she still had quit, but she did release albums. Um, her last album, 50 Words for Snow, was... That was nine years ago now. And it came out to absolutely unreal reviews again, yeah. like much like the, the two before. Um, so Kate Bush gave up touring totally and gave up music for over a decade. So yeah. there's two big giant fucking no thanks. There was a famous story going around. It turned out to be debunked by Kate Bush and the record label. They called around to her a few years after the Red Shoes. I think it was, oh, maybe it was for the Red Shoes. Hmm. And they were like, Kate, you haven't been answering calls and we need to hear what you've been doing. And she went, right, I'm ready to show you what I've been doing. Hmm. She came out of the kitchen with a plate full of like home-baked muffins or something. Like that. <laughs> if that's true, I wish that story was true. I, I, I wish it was. I heard a story about the, uh, like that before as well, but she invited everybody over to her house, the record label. Um Mm. saying fucking I have uh, the, you know I need you over here on Saturday night or whatever and she hadn't released an album yeah. in years so um, they were all like oh my fucking god they like got a helicopter and all flew out to gaff wherever the fuck she lives in the wilderness I think she's one of these people that has a castle like Enya and um, <laughs> fucking got the helicopter out of gaff walked in this, this, I think I read this in like NME it could be bollocks who knows uh, they, they yeah. walked in saying like what's alright fucking Kate we're ready we're here <clears throat> play it for us and she said play it she goes no it's my birthday and uh, <laughs> fucking some butler wheeled in a birthday cake because she, she doesn't have any friends or something like that. Like she doesn't know that many people. She's kind of reclusive. And uh, she just avoided people from the record label because they were the only people who ever listened yeah, to her. I don't play yeah. that. I, 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 don't, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Couldn't I was reading an interview with her <laughs> ex-partner, possibly ex-husband. No, ex-partner who used to be in the band. Mm. And now he plays in a tribute band. Really? For Kate Bush. No way. I don't know whether that's... I don't have an opinion on that. That's I don't weird. know how I feel about it. It's, it's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's mad weird. Anyway, look, that was uh, Kate Bush. She had two giant fucking fuck-offs. Yes. One of, them, one of them touring and then one for years where she she said, she goes, I just wanted to be a mother. I'm, like, I'm not saying you can't, I'm definitely not saying you can't be not a mother, a good mm-hmm. mother while you're on tour, but she wanted to just devote all of it. Like Rick Moranis that time, I think that was the deal with him, wasn't it? I think kids or something just like I don't want to do kids it went, I want to, be, I just want to do this all the time. I love it. Yeah. Gar, Gar Brooks is another one. Fuck me. The reason Gar Brooks never appears on our podcast is because he's not on Spotify and he can't put him in yeah. the playlist. Yeah. He would have been on it like 10 times by now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He gave up to uh, look after and look after my kids. I want to look at, want to be part of their lives for that years. Also, had more money than God. Minted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Minted. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was Kate Bush. Who is your next one? Uh, my next one is Billy Joel. 
And uh, has he quit? I don't know. No, he had. This is a, this is a weird one. This is very unusual, actually, in in music. And, and I don't know. I don't think I know anybody else like this. Um, so I picked. We didn't start the fire just because Jackie Charlton died. I thought you would have uh, picked. Um, yeah, well, to be fair, I thought you would have picked. Ah, I'm moving out. <laughs> no, no. That's good. It's going to do River of Dreams. Just when you, but I played that uh, last week on Lost Gart because you <laughs> yeah, you, you, you wouldn't let me play it. Did you play it? Yeah, I done it last <laughs> week. <yeah. laughs> um, so we didn't start it for. Uh, so Billy Joel was born in 1949. Grew up in Long Island. Um, recording career. This is where it gets weird, right? Billy Joel's recording career lasted from 1971 until 1993. Right. right. That's it. Billy Joel has not recorded a new album since 1993 he still tours he still plays but he has not released a new fucking album since 1993 so have we have we got someone that's that is that's i'm out of recording yep deadly because i wanted yep. one of them and the thing the only person i could think of was andrew eldridge from sisters of mercy yeah yeah will tour all day every day but will not release more deadly because i wanted someone on the playlist now who, there's a there's a tiny caveat to it that i'll get to later but right. let's just say that he released his last Billy Joel album in 1993, okay? So uh, 12 studio albums, sold 150 million albums worldwide. He's a toured best-selling solo act of all time. We know who the first one is. We know who the first one is. I must, I have to, we have to assume the second one's Michael Jackson. We'll have to look that up. Um, yeah. so, oh, hang on. Elvis. <coughs> oh, it's fucking, hang on. Garth Brooks is number one of them all. What are you talking about? I don't know. Let's check this out. Look, like the, yeah. the problem when we're doing these things is, a lot of places say a lot of different things. Yeah, that's a big thing. And that's also a lot of places will only pull from certain um, from certain countries. sales avenues and countries as yeah. well. So it's, it's very unusual. Some, some people will be number one in America and some people will be number one in Europe. Some people will be number yeah. one in the world, right? Um, now, this is, we th- I think we kind of talked about this on an old podcast, but Billy Joel started off um, playing in a metal band called Attila. And we actually found, I think we found an Attila song on Spotify. We put oh, it on a playlist right. before. He was in the yeah. metal band, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, the band broke up when <laughs> Billy ran off with, I think, the guitarist's wife and married her. Um, he just fucking nabbed her. And he was like, me and you, baby. I'm fucking legged it. And left I'm her. moving out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and fucking left, left that poor bastard there after stealing his wife. Now, apparently, they, they, uh, they kind of stayed mates even after Billy Joel robbed his missus. And he even produced a couple of albums. Uh, Billy Joel produced a couple of albums and helped your man try to get a bit of a music career going afterwards as a bit of a, you know, let's make up for it. Because I think Billy and your one didn't, I think Billy Joel had been married like three or four times. He's just one of these guys. I am. Um, Happens an awful lot. Uh, so the, the Attila released one album, uh, self-titled, and it's considered to be one of the fucking worst albums ever made. It's supposed to be absolute garbage. Um, really? Yeah, supposed to be like metal kind of psychedelia type of thing, you know, uh, like uh, Black Sabbath with more fucking spinal tap kind of fucking uh, uh, Frodo fucking <laughs> the mystical forest yeah. type of shit. So uh, the, he fucking hates it. Joel's like, I can't even listen to it. I'm sick and thought I was part of it. Like, like I'm glad I was part of it. I can't listen to that fucking album anymore. Um, he's had 33 top 40 hits. Um, he's one of the first ever US acts to ever tour the Soviet Union. So he'd done a full tour of the Soviet Union in 1987. So that's a big fucking deal as well. Um, his last album in 1993 was River of Dreams. And then he just retired. From, uh. yeah, then he just retired from writing new material. He's like, I'm fucking ill. Um, yeah, he's, he, had a, he had a weird fucking past. Well, he was married four times. Actually, that's right. Uh, married four times. And he's, he's, he has a 
a strange history with kind of mental health. Every now and again, apparently, I don't know whether he blames this on recording and touring or whatever. He just had a couple of fucking hard, hard turns and he tried to kill himself a couple of times. One time he, he wanted to drink, a, he drank like a litre of furniture polish in, in the hopes that'd kill him. Because he thought if he drank Jeez. bleach, it would hurt. He was like, if I drink bleach, like that'll hurt when it kills me. But furniture yeah, polish. Anything you drink that can kill you is going to hurt either way. But yeah, exactly. Someone, someone needs to have a word with Billy Joel. Mm. But uh, yeah, he, uh, he drank a, like a litre of furniture polish, tried to do himself in, and obviously didn't work, still around. Now, <coughs> this is the little fucking, the little ping at the end of it. So Billy Joel has not released a new album since 1993. However, however, in, I think, 2001, he released a record with a friend of his called Fantasies and Delusions. But it's classical music. Right. right? So it's him and a mate of his, I think it's a Korean uh, violinist. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just composed a bunch of like classical fucking... It's, I think it's, it's under the Billy Joel wing, but it's like, it's like a collabo fucking type of thing. With I remember mate. I was re- reading a bit about that yeah. when... When we did the Cold War podcast, did he mm. make it onto the Cold War playlist? I do not know. <laughs> because he, he, was, he may have he been was mentioned. part of that thing that if anyone ever wants to, a really crazy story, read up about when Billy Joel went to um, Russia to do a gig. Yeah. He was one of the first people in the Gorbachev era, I think, yeah. to go over and do a gig. And it was still not, it was still crazy. Yeah. And he was screaming. Put the lighting engineer to take the lights off the front row. Really? Every time the cameras would turn on them and the lights turn on the crowd, hmm. they'd stand dead still go, I'm not getting caught dancing. <laughs> Sick and Yeah, that's it. Uh, I think we did cover that before. Yeah, I think yeah. we might. That, that sounds and, he, and he has a temper on him. Oh, yeah. A yeah. real temper yeah, on yeah. him. Yeah, um, he was born, born and raised in the Bronx and uh, kind of jumped, jumped between the Bronx and Long Island, so we'd be hard enough. Like, but um, <clears throat> he said that he's just not ambitious or driven about writing pop songs anymore. He's just doesn't want to do it. He's happy enough to keep playing the old stuff that people like, um, but he doesn't like people picking apart the music and um, trying to find kind of meanings and his secret messages and shit. About well, if his last album was River of Dreams, I'm kind of glad he didn't make any more. No, I haven't listened to the album, but that song, In the Middle of the Night, I love that song. Such a bad song. I That's a reggae song. Uh, do you know what I heard the other day? Have you ever heard, uh, what's it called? It's called Harry by Bauhaus. It's a reggae song. Bauhaus have a reggae song. I've, I've admitted this before. I don't listen to Bauhaus all the time. I have a few Bauhaus songs I listen to, but I think yeah. overall, look. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Obviously, like, a terrible got that Bauhaus are <coughs> not one of my favorite got bands. Fucking hard. Uh, li- listen to this, folks. Go and find Harry by Bauhaus. I'll put the link up on the page. Uh, but even if you listen to the cover of uh, David Bowie. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like what our Bauhaus. It's great. No. Like, it is great. I, I do like it, but it doesn't sound like what our Bauhaus. No. Um, right, okay, what we got? Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, so he said he's just, I'm not going back to record. And he said that pop song era is done. Um, I think he just had a little itch that he wanted to scratch with doing a little bit of classical music. And it's, it was very low key. It wasn't a big release. Um, the biggest thing about it was the fact that he hadn't released anything in, 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 since 1993. And, uh, mad. Yeah. So he's still touring to this day. He has a, he has a residency. Or what, you, what? No, he doesn't have a residency. He has what they call an installation in Madison Square Garden. So uh, I think it's like the last Friday of every month he plays a gig in Madison Square Garden. Jesus, which is fucked up. You think most bands would spend their entire lives dying to play Madison Square Garden, and this fucker plays there once a month. So yeah, just for the apparently this is a thing that they're, they're doing in Madison Square Garden now, where they just um, they've got say there's thirty days in a the month. They pick 
20 of them that are for rent, for whatever, wrestling, for UFC, for yeah. fucking ice hockey, whatever the fuck they're doing. And they keep X amount and they do these installations. So you could have, you know, Elton John every fucking third Monday of every month, you know what I mean? And then fucking Billy Joel, the second Thursday of every month, that type of thing, where they put these like, classic artists in and they just stay there as long as they want. You know, that's that's their little installation. And if, if after a year or two, they're like, uh, you know, let's move it to Vegas. That's what they do. Anyway, that was Billy Joel. Who is mm. your next one? My next one is Josh Silver of Typo Negative. He was the keyboard player in Typo Negative for 18 mm. years. Um, it's no surprise to a lot of people listen to this Typo Negative, one of my favorite bands. And I think they're one of the greatest bands of all time. Mm. Seven absolutely brilliant albums. And Josh Silver himself is one of, I think he's one of the best examples of like an incredibly instrumental and important keyboard player for that band, if you get me. Like yeah. they're irreplaceable. There's a lot of people who are possibly better keyboard players but yeah. for that the stuff he wrote and all his backing vocals and everything he was such a monstrously big part of Typo Negative Sound um, he started in Fallout a band called Fallout and when they mm. broke up they went on to become Carnivore but he wasn't in Carnivore I don't yeah. think as someone who played keyboards he went on to be in a band called Original Sin yeah. but when Carnivore broke up and then Typo Negative happened after that yeah. and Josh got the call from frontman Pete Steele who we know uh, yeah, to be the keyboard player. So during this time of typo negatives entire career, guitarist and drummer Kenny Hickey and Johnny Kelly had been in bands like Seventh Void, Danzig, they've been in Danzig as well. And when Peter Steele died in 2010, they kept going with bands like Pale Horse Named Death, who mm. we saw in the point of all places. Um, they're, they're actually lovely guys as well. We met them afterwards as well. Yeah. Uh, Silver Tomb and the Seventh Void. I listened to a bit of Seventh Void. Mm. It's it's grand. It's not really my thing. But what happened was when Pete Steele died, Josh quit music completely. Mm. He's the only one that didn't keep going. Obviously, Pete Steele passed away. Kenny Hickey and Johnny Kelly went on. And Sal Brusco, who had been in Typo Negative for a while, was also in the Pale Horse name. They, they kept going as well. Because I think there's a, there's a version of Carnivore doing the rounds now called like Carnivore AD, which is as many of the original guys from Carnivore that are still kicking around. And I think they just get like guest singers and stuff like that in. And they do just gigs oh, for really? the crack every now and again, yeah, called Carnivore yeah, AD. Yeah. Well, so, I don't know how, I don't know if Kenny Hickey was in Carnivore. Anyway, yeah, that was sort of a... Di- Oh, no, I think he might have been, actually. Fuck, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, Josh There, wouldn't, there wouldn't have been much keyboard and carnivore every now and again. He quit music, mm. and he became a New York City EMT. Really? And he still is to this day. In fact, he actually missed Typo Negative. I think he missed Typo Negative's last tour mm. on his training to become an EMT. And I don't know. I wonder if that fucking pissed him off. Now. I wonder if he'd become like an EMT because, I don't know. He, well, he said... He said he wanted a more stable job to yeah. provide for his Makes his sense. Wife. You have a fucking family, man. The band is not for you. Like, it's really not. Yeah, so now he's... Man, what an incredible change. Mm. Job playing festivals, gigs all over the world and going, no, I want to become an EMT. Saving lives. I think I might have heard of this guy before. I think he's mates with... Um, he's mates with fucking uh, Paris Mayhew from Cro-Mags. And Paris, Possibly. are they a kind of Brooklyn band? They they be a New York band, but Paris is a he's a cameraman. I talked about him before, but he made all all of uh, Typo Negative's music videos. 
He was like yeah. mates with Pete Steele. And I, if right. I remember correctly, he was talking one day um, about one of the lads from Typo that became an EMT. That's, I just remember that, that part. Oh, that's, that's, that's definitely him. It's the yeah. only one that did, yeah. 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 So yeah, I just found that incredible. And there's not, there's, since that has happened, I haven't, there's, he doesn't do interviews or anything like that. He's like, I'm not really talking about being in the Not music anymore, yeah. Your job. I'm out. I'm actually out. Yeah. So the rest of them all went on. I've seen them live since then and all that. In, in different well I only really seen Power yeah. to be honest with you I'm not going to go and see the seventh boy that I don't know anything about Silverton but uh, he decided yeah that's what he wants to do and there's a, really? there is a photo of him driving an ambulance yeah he's either in the passenger seat or anything and he's an absolutely normal looking lad now the head is shaved the beard is gone yeah he just looks like an Bob EMT, standard human yeah an EMT yeah but what that's, that's crazy a I real person can, I think you can have enough of music I guarantee else, you can. <laughs> or, or else, the only band for him was Typo Negative. Maybe. Maybe he just got a taste it. of it and said, what's the point? But what's six, what, 18 years? Typo yeah. Negative, 89 it's a lot. to it's a lot. 2010. Yeah, that's an awful yeah. lot. Like, when you think so about that's, it. that's him, saving lives every day. Across. I'd love to know if anyone famous ever got him or Maybe. anyone that knew any type <laughs> of mega fan ever get yeah. Josh Silver as an EMT yeah. well yeah that's him anyway who is your next one uh, my next one is the Dead Kennedys and uh, right. I picked uh, Moon over Marin uh, so th- this is this is a little bit complicated but it makes sense by the end so stick with me right so the Dead Kennedys formed in 1978 in San Francisco and they're probably probably one of the most influential kind of hardcore or punk bands ever um, mm. They were one of the first bands that were properly kind of politically and socially fucking active and sang songs about like wrongdoings in the world as opposed to just kind of bands like The Clash. That, you you know, they, they, were, they weren't actually singing about their holiday in Cambodia. They were them. not. Yeah, exactly. They were singing about <laughs> real stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, we're telling me Sunday Bloody Sunday is about it's, something that's not a terrible Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the worst Sunday ever. Um <laughs> Love so, Alan Parrish. Yeah. <laughs> Not playing that again. <laughs> exactly. Being stuck in traffic or whatever it was. Sunday. Bloody Sunday. The kids um, are running around just trying to read the newspaper. <laughs> Lomers, Sunday. Yeah. Bloody <laughs> Sunday. Um, so the initial incarnation of the Dead Kennedys lasted from 1978 until 1986. Um, Jello Biafra, the lead singer, became like an active campaigner against the, the PMRC, the Parents, uh, Parents Musical Resource Centre, which would have been... Uh, anybody who's ever listened to like fucking body count or any of those kind of late 80s early 90s kind of albums you'll hear people giving out about the prmc an awful lot giving out about tipper gore who's i think al, al gore's wife oh yeah um, is that where it went dee schneider from uh yeah his sister went up against her exactly all, yeah. everybody had a shot um uh, jello biafra became one of the kind of proper voices because i think i think they might have had they, they had like a I can't remember who the first band was to get slapped with that parental advisory sticker. I can't remember who it was. But I think Dead Kennedys were on the chopping block because of some album cover they had, which had right. like a, a dead child's hand in it or something like that. They, they went after it for something. Um, so th- there was basically there was an obscenity trial in 1985 and 1986. And uh, Jello was kind of brought in to be, because he was very kind of, he was very eloquent and he could talk and he was he's super smart, Jello Biafra. He's incredibly fucking intelligent. Like. Mm. And uh, so he's a good kind of front man to lead 
the kind of musicians forward. He also doesn't look like a fucking knobhead like Dee Schneider. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could. It's weird. He's one of those punks that could pass off as normal. Hundred percent. Just he actually looks like well, Jack Kenny Black Rollins looked like he. Kenny Rollins looked like he could work in Easton's. Exactly. Yeah. You know just put I mean? a jumper on him. And he's just yeah. a big, he's just a big lad now, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, so the band, the band disbanded in 1986, and uh, it was, I think they kind of reached the point where, like, you know, we fucking done all we can deal with, you know. Uh, I think what what had kind of happened was they, they they figured they'd said enough and they didn't want to water anything down, but also they were sick of all the fucking violence at gigs because they they thought they were like the thinking man's punk band. And they like a lot of people who were following them and buying their records were like it was almost revolutionary music. And what had happened, the scene had turned from like this almost like beatnik kind of fucking scene in the late seventies of of punks who were like you know interested in alternative yeah. conte- concepts into cunts just spitting on each other and headbutting each other. Well, here's the thing, right? This is what I always fucking think about punk, right? If I was genuinely putting effort into the music and I had a message, imagine a lot of people came in tap dancers. Yeah, that tap that tap dance to your music with their backs to you. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't care what you were doing. Mostly, only cared about the drum beat, maybe possibly yeah. at, at best. Yeah, was never like get the fuck out of my gig. Exactly. Well, I think what happens they were you just all coming in tap dancing with your exactly. backs. Exactly. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I think. Mushing and spitting on it's, it's the same to me. Yeah, just, if you're not listening to music, you're just going. Oh, yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, me head shit. Yeah, exactly. So they got to pound that bollocks with this. They were like looking at people knocking the bollocks out of each other, spitting, fucking spitting at them, spitting at each other, headbutting each other, fucking slam dancing, kicking each other in the head. They were like, "This is fucking nonsense. This is not what we're about. Like, we're here to kind of spread a message that you know you're being you're being done wrong." by the yeah. fucking world and you know we're here to tell you about it and uh, so they were like you know what let's knock this in the head and maybe we'll come back to it at some stage so Jello went on he's, he, um, he went on and kind of collaborated with a bunch of bands done stuff with DOA done stuff with No Means No when he started two new bands he started a band called Lard which I really everybody talks about Lard an awful lot yeah I, heard <coughs> a lot. I, yeah. I couldn't tell you a song or yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's kind of what you think it's going to be to be honest with you and then he started the Guantanamo School of Medicine which is kind of what he, he would have been a little bit more recent up until like the mid 2000s. He would have been touring with the Guantanamo School of Medicine. And, uh, you, know, I think he, you know, when someone famous goes into these bands and you hear about them, be like, yeah, if they came to my town, I'd go and see them. But exactly. I'm not gonna go yeah, like, and, yeah, the Guantanamo School of Music played here a couple of times, um, played here, uh, sorry, School of Medicine played here a couple of times. But you know what? I like the Dead Kennedys and I've, I listened to loads of the other stuff afterwards and it's just, it's not for me, you know? It's just not for yeah. me. Um, so he, he was involved in a movie uh, he, he made a fucking movie he made um, fuck what else did he do? I think he's done an album with like Melvins I think he might have done another album with No Means Now he's done a bunch of these kind of little let's make yeah. an album of fucking and I'll sing with the singer you know what I mean like just jump in but they were Jello Biafra and Friends kind of fucking thing yeah did he actually have a Jello Biafra and Friends that sounds really like familiar might have. I think he might have done. <laughs> I mean, he might have had some again another type of fucking installation somewhere in San Francisco where he yeah. was. Uh, now here's the big thing: is that Jello Biafra set up uh, the record label that the Dead Kennedys were signed to. It was called Alternative Tentacles. Is the name of the record label. Mm. Now he set it up with the guitarist from Dead Kennedys, a guy called East Bay Ray. And uh, but East Bay Ray, Ray didn't really want. He wasn't that interested in the fucking mechanics of the record label. It's just they wanted to put their music out. So Jello was like, I kind of have a head for this. So let I'll take the fucking lead on it. Like, you still, you know, co-owner and all this type of shit. But uh, you, you let me fucking run with it. Now, Alternative Tentacles went on to become one of the most famous and lauded fucking punk labels ever. 
like they put out so much fucking great stuff over the years. Yeah. So like still active, still a fantastic label. But in 2000, there was a big fucking legal case, a big joint legal case about royalties. Da, 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 as fucking always. Now bear in mind, this is like 20 years after the band had disbanded. And they weren't, they, I don't think they were really on talking terms that like enough kind of time had passed them just not to be fucking interested like whatsoever with kind of dealing with each other. The idea of getting back together again was just passed and they'd all moved on. So, big royalties fucking uh, case and uh, it turns out that <sighs> Biafra was found guilty of withholding royalties from the band. But it turns out now, both, both parties, the guys in the band and Jello, uh, both agree now that it was it was an accountancy error. There was a problem with the way the accounts are set up. That right. Jello wasn't like uh, willfully withholding money from the group at all. It was just something was fucking wrong. Some decimal point wasn't carried fucking forty years ago. Do you know what I mean? So they been yeah. so whichever way it worked out, they're able to get their money back and all this kind of shit. Um, so the band's the money was only resting in his account. It, pretty much, pretty much now. Around, I think it's around 2000, I think it's around 2000, it's 99, either 99 or 2001, the band get back together again, but without Jello Biafra. Jello wants nothing to do with them. So the rest of the band, so right, they started off being called like DK entities or something fucking stupid or uh, Dead Kennedy's DC or some some, legal loophole name. Some legal fucking loophole, right? But as this, uh, as this kind of this royalties case uh, progressed, it turns out that um, Alternative Tentacles kind of lose the exclusive rights to the Dead Kennedys albums, and this means now that um, the, all the rights for the, the the songs and the stuff for the band and the logo and all this kind of shit kind of revert back to the guys in the band. And if there's like a majority, if there's three guys in the band that say we want to re-release uh, Fresh Fruit for Rotten Vegetables on fucking red vinyl. That's their um, biggest album, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, the, definitely. The big monster. Yeah, yeah, big. That's a fucking killer album as well. So if the, if they want to release, uh, do a repress or do a special edition or box set, they're able to do it. Well, before they weren't because it was all controlled by Alternative Tentacles who were very, very strict about how the Dead Kennedy stuff was used. So it was fuck all money coming in for them. So once this was done and the, the rights of the name and fucking imagery and all this kind of shit revert back to it, the rest of the band say, well, we're just going to call ourselves fucking Dead Kennedys. Like, fuck yeah, you know? Now, what they do is they bring in, uh, they bring in a bunch of fucking singers. They bring in one guy, um, they bring in one guy, and uh, I think his name was what's his name? Fucking Brandon Cruz. Two thousand and one is when they start playing again. Bring in a guy called Brandon Cruz. So he leaves in two thousand and three, and they bring a guy called Jeff Penalty in. So he leaves in two thousand and eight. Then a guy called Ron Green he comes in, and then he fucks off. So they keep eating through these fucking singers and they don't know what to do. Now, in 2017, um, Fest offers them a bunch of fucking money, a bunch of money uh, to get together again. Uh, Dem Angelo to do a proper fucking reunion. Um, So what they do is they turn around to Jello and they're like, fucking listen, do you want to do this, you know? But it turns out that the guys in the band had sent a letter via their manager to Jello, as opposed to ringing him, and Jello said, "Like if they, if fucking Ray or one of the guys in the band, that's awful. It, exactly, had to just rang me, and said, listen, we're past all this bullshit, and we're after being offered a lot of money to do this fucking gig. People have been dying to see this fucking thing. Like, can we please, 
can we do it? Like, he, yeah. Yellow said, I probably would have done it. I probably would have done a couple of gigs just to, for the for the people who never got to see us to see us. But the fact that they fucking didn't ask me personally, they sent a poxy fucking letter through the management company. He said, I'm absolutely not doing it. It's never going to fucking happen. Even if that's that may or may not be true, he might just be like, I was always going to oh, say no, could, but I would have fucked him off even yeah, more by could, saying could that. Well be. But either way, that does show good fucking punk ethos or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know much about that, but I do love yeah. when someone says no. Exactly. No. Now, apparently, one of the reasons that they don't talk to each other anymore is because um, Polydor Records were very interested in signing the band. They saw that they were doing particularly well and they wanted to sign the band. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ray had been talking to Polydor kind of behind Jello's back. Jello was like, we're not signing to a fucking label. We are not signing to a major label. We have our own record label. We get to control everything. Why the fuck yeah. would you ever want to sign to a, ma- a major label? And Ray was pissed off. So there's fucking loads of money in it. It's a proper fucking record label, Jello. Like, Jesus Christ. As opposed to the shit we're doing out your shed, we can have a proper, like Polydor is a big fucking name. They, can, they want to put our stuff out. You know, apparently, while all this was going on, Polydor found out that the next single that the Dead Kennedys were going to release was called Too Drunk to Fuck. And they withdrew all <laughs> interest. Yeah, they withdrew all fucking interest in it. Now, why I picked the Dead Kennedys is because there's been plenty of fucking punk bands and plenty of alternative bands and rock bands that have kind of changed singer and went on to record new material. Look at Alice in Chains, look at the Misfits, look at Black Flag. They changed singers like fucking three or four times. This is, it's a common theme for punk bands, any band really, to change singers. We've, we've done entire podcasts about it. But yeah. the last Dead Kennedy album was released in 1986. And that was it. The band are still touring to this day with whatever singers, blah, blah, blah. They have not Jesus. released a single we solitary thing. Since 86? 1986. They're still touring off those couple of fucking albums, four albums and one EP. We were like, like learning to walk. The what? We were learning to walk. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I think the last album was Frank and Christ, and there was murder over that as well um, because of the cover. But uh, yeah, so 1986 was the last um, Dave Kennedy's album. So they, they've essentially, they have retired recording new material. I don't think that's ever going to happen. The guys are too old. Um, I don't think they want to record stuff with a different singer. Also, they have a terrible track record of keeping these new singer guys either. You know what I mean? They ate through fuck a three or four of them in, in a couple of years. But yeah, they're still, they're still doing the rounds, still tour. Um, they pretty much played that Rebellion Festival every year with whatever singer they can get their fucking hands on. Um, but yeah, mm. absolutely no material, no new material since 1986. So uh, uh, that was the Dead Kennedys. Who was your next one? There's another band I've wanted to have on a playlist for a good while, and that's uh, XTC. I want to talk about Andy Partridge, the front man of XTC. Uh, XTC are just such a fucking incredible band. Up there for me with like latter talk talk. Yeah. For uh, just incredibly inventive and unique band. But they're from Swindon, of all places in England. Swindon. And. even Andy Parrish just said himself, if we had come from a big city like London or Manchester, we would have been heralded as much more godlike. But we're going to get into what I think is a little bit more of the reason why they didn't get as much. And this comes yeah. down to not touring. What can do? What possibly can do? Maybe not. I don't know. Because they did tour, but then he stopped. He stopped. So he quit touring. We'll talk about that now in a minute. Mm. So... If anyone doesn't know XTC, you might know the song Making Plans for Nigel, which is a a phenomenal song. But uh, I think I picked uh, Senses Working Overtime, which is one of my favorite songs. And um, the album, English Settlement, is just so fucking good. It's so Mm. quality. And it was after, excuse me, after that album that he said no more tour. No more tour. He said no more tour. No more more touring. Me say uh, no. 
as a result, he and they quit playing live. Mm. So around 81, 82, they had been supporting the police mm. on a world tour. Um, and in the middle of a live broadcasted kind of performance, sorry, the, the performance was beforehand. I was watching this earlier on, on um, there was a little documentary made about it. The world they were setting up, they were recording all the stuff, and he, he seemed to be in a kind of weird mood. And then it cuts to the gig, and in the first song, he walks off the stage, and apparently he got on a plane back to Swindon oh, immediately. Okay. Walked to like walked to the airport, went yeah. to the airport, and that was the end of them playing. Done touring live, yeah. So wow. the world wants to know mm. what the hell had happened. He went so quiet. He went into therapy. He went so quiet though off the grid that there was people holding... People thought he was dead. Really? People thought he had died because there was so little out of him. Like, the band, obviously, I think, knew he was grand. Yeah. But uh, I was reading up that there was, like, XTC tribute nights held for the death of Andy Partridge and stuff like that. But he hadn't at all. Um, Soon after that, they were due to play a sold-out gig at the Hollywood Palladium. Mm. And he just said, "I I couldn't get out of bed. He said, I can't get out of bed. And he finally... He said his legs were like stone. Fuck. He finally got up. He put his hand on the doorknob and the vomit started. Like he felt like he was just about to get sick. Yeah. He was that, having a panic attack that yeah, much yeah. about going back on stage. Fuck. And it's gas because I was watching the performance where he walked off. It's, it's chilling. Like yeah. he just, he's in the, it's because it doesn't look like it's coming out of anywhere yeah. and something just clicks. He's like making funny faces at the funny because the songs are so like loads of sarcasm and tongue yeah, in cheek yeah. and they're real like jovial but in a sort of cynical way mm. and I love that feeling of a singer who's writing songs and he's not comfortable and it comes through really well yeah um just takes the guitar off and walks off and even the band have the band don't even see it happening really like look they don't even see him they, they think he just walked off the side or whatever like that. They're like they keep on playing. The whole team just cuts down. Um, so, what was wrong with Andy Partridge? Well, loads of people said, "Ah, oh, he he hates flying." But then other people were like, "We flew loads though." But he had been taking Valium since he was a teenager. Fuck. And he quit taking it, and the withdrawals were so bad that they kicked off panic attacks that amalgamated in this super fear when he was on stage or having to tour it like that. So he tried, I think he really tried to go to therapy and hypnotherapy to try and get over this. But from English settlement onwards, they had to become a studio band. Really? Which was most, it was mostly him and a guy called, um, what's his name? Colin, Colin Montrose, Colin Moulding. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Colin Moulding. Are the two mainstays of that band who kept it going just as a studio project? Yeah. Because when you have, when you're not playing live and you can do, I, I imagine if you can do certain parts, like they're still wear a band, but if you look at the timeline, the other way Wikipedia will show you those timelines. I'm always mad into them when it comes to people leaving. I want to get those back to Graphical bit. timelines are great. Graphical yeah. timelines, yeah, they're really helpful for people like me and you when we want to just double check yeah, yeah. real quickly off the bat what time he joined and what time he left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's on and off, but those are the two mainstays. And I'd say, I imagine if you were in the studio and you were okay at bass mm. and your bassist might be getting pissed off not touring, you're just going to be that new bassist now because it's a studio. No, I don't know how that worked yeah. out. Um, actually, in fact, I could be wrong, Colin 
molding might have been the actual basis. It's a terrible example. What I'm saying is he had a dependency on Valium. There were stories that his wife threw out. He was still taking it. And yeah. his wife threw it out and it sent an absolute spiral when he was on tour. Yeah. Not having access but, uh, to that. Not having access to yeah, that. Yeah, fuck. What happened then, he was getting bouts of amnesia. He felt, they said he had brain, he called it brain melt. Really? When he went <laughs> off the stuff, he would wake up and not know who he was. Yeah. Like, I don't know who fuck. I am. Fuck. So he said, he said that, he goes, he knew the entire story about Sid Barrett and he thought that's happening to me. So I have to, I'll, I'll still do music in the studio. So they did continue on making albums, to be fair. After the break, because he did have a couple of breakdowns, to be honest, which yeah. they were considered breakdowns. Uh, the cancellation of the American tour meant that they were stuck with a 20 grand bill. And that was, that was in the 80s. Sterling. They continued to make albums, like I said, up until 2016, where the two of them... Uh, Molding and, and, and Andy Purchase said, we can't work together anymore. So Really? It's crazy. That's, they did still release a lot. Um, so like, like the Beatles and Brian Wilson, to a lesser extent, hmm. it came a time where they just chose the studio. Yeah. So like yeah. this touring crack, for whatever reason, we know Brian Will- Beatles is different. They couldn't hear themselves and they wanted to progress musically. Yeah, and it did yeah, work. Yeah, go to yeah. go there. That's where you can be creative. Um, Brian Wilson was like, you just go off and tour. I'll stay here. No, really cares that much anyway. Yeah. I'll write an album comes out as Pet Sounds. Yeah. Unreal. And this is XTC afterwards. Now, I don't think they had a better album than English Settlement, but there mm. is some good stuff after that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's Andy Pressure decided to quit live. Not, not music though. Yeah. Just couldn't be doing the fuck, couldn't be out and about. Go into the studio, I'll make the fucking albums, write the songs, but I, I think, ain't sticking around. I, I think what could have happened was, even if he got over the withdrawals of, <clears throat> of uh, Valium, mm. the fear of what happened maybe on that stage might stay with you as a completely separate entity. Maybe. Maybe. Where you're like, wait, tra- trauma, like. Like, shit, that, that's a new thing now. Like, yeah, that yeah. could happen to me again. I never mm. want to have that to happen again. Because, yeah. like, I'd say he felt terrible about disappointing people, I don't know. I don't know what kind of guy he is, really. Maybe, yeah. Based on the interviews, it's very quite hard to tell, but mm. he is one of those incredibly seemingly introverted fucking guys. But he was yeah. a great frontman and XTC. Right. I talk about XTC all day. I really, 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 really like, love yeah. that band, and I love that yeah. album. Who's your next one? Who did they, who, what did they do? Why did they quit? What did they what quit? What did they do to me? Uh, my next one is Kiss. Kiss. And Kiss, okay. So, now, these, these are the ones that all right, they, they could be codding us. They could be codding us, and I'm going to give you a reason why they could be just codding us, lads. They could be. Right. So I picked God Gave Rock and Roll to you, part two. I don't even know if there's part one. I just like that song. That's the Bill and Ted fucking song, which I like a lot. Um, which is actually off Revenge, which is a really cool album. We've talked about that a thousand times, which is the album that kind of Kiss made during the grunge era, where they start wearing like flannel shorts and leather jackets. Oh, you remember that? Yeah, it's a great album. Actually, yeah. a song going to call Unholy that's fucking super. And uh, it's probably the best song in the album, bar this one. I really, really like this song. Um, it's garbage, but I've a lot of time for it. Uh, so Kiss formed in New York City in 1973, which is news to me as well. I always thought Kiss were from Detroit because they have fucking Detroit Rock City and loads of songs about Detroit. I, honest to God, hand on heart, thought yeah, like Kiss were from Detroit. Yeah, if get the answer right, I would have shot up fucking... I 100%. Shot up Detroit and then, or then New York, possibly, I would have done it in New York. 100% thought it was fucking... Like, up until like three days ago, I was adamant that Kiss were from Detroit. But however, they're not. They're from New York City. Uh, their, line, their lineup changes are legendary. Like, we're talking... Like you could, I'm, I'm sure there are entire books written about 
how many people have come in and out and back in and then back out, but then back in on the sly because they got to hide behind fucking face paint. Like the, the, the history of Kiss is fucking mental. Sure, you'd never know. Exactly. They'd they, they done that an awful lot. They were fuckers for it. The only kind of original members is Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, right? Which, pff, I mean, maybe that's all you need, but I doubt it. You know, like the, the classic line of the Fuck first... Up, Chris! Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a, listen, this got through so many different members. It was fucking insane. Um, <clears throat> they've had... They've had like, I think, semi-permanent members. They've had like 10 different people jump in and out of that band. Um, but there's different eras to Kiss. It's very, it's su- such a strange band, man. One of the first bands to ever turn music into an actual business. Like real business business. The Kings of merchandise. The Kings of fucking tours. The Kings are just weird shit, man. Like, I have a lot of time for Kiss. I do like Kiss. Um, sold over 75 million records. Um, they're the number one gold record award-winning band in the world with over 30 gold albums 30 gold albums that's fucking insane insane because they've got fans that are not even real mad rock fans no because they, they had mad. they had like a disco era they had a ballad yeah. era they had their grungy kind of era they're just they're fucking chameleons like they really are i mean every everything they done always sounded like kiss but they were pretty good at writing fucking songs so they were able to turn everything around like we have we have this uh, kind of kiss I think it's called a Kiss Kiss Prospective or something like that, and it's like an eight disc fucking thing that has pretty much every single song they've ever recorded um, on there, uh, and it's like the definitive versions of each song because there's so many songs they recorded three or four times, like in different, then on a disco version, then on a rock version, then on a ballad version. It's fucking weird like that, like those uh, John Peel LPs that you see where they got Joy Division in for a day to just fucking redo their album real raw on the fly, you know that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, the first gig they ever played was to uh, like eight people and they were paid $50 to play two sets and they were like we can't do this anymore this is fucking bullshit we need an angle <laughs> so um, Gene and Paul Stanley were obsessed with like Marvel comic books and shit like that so we're like let's fucking paint ourselves up like uh, superheroes like this would be great fun and it was from there then all of a sudden people started paying attention you know it was early when I wore the mask that people paid attention so fucking that was the first time they were like let's fucking do it um, they're also the first ever band in history as part of their deal um, their deal to their record label that each individual member of the band had to release a solo album on the exact same day that's weird someone in the band start, said that apparently what happened was right this there's is fucking, no way a record label would give a fucking shit about that here's well, they would, I, yeah I think what happened from what, what I read right is that the, le- the deal that they signed had like an atrocious amount of records attached to it, right? right? So they were like, we can't pump out fucking eight albums in, in four years or whatever the fuck they wanted, you know? So we're like, well, how the fuck are we going to figure this out? So uh, from what I read, each individual solo album counted as half of one album. So by each person going it's like off... An assist- and, it's like an assistant Yeah, football. exactly. So each person, uh, when, when all four released their solo albums, it counted towards their contract as two. And that, they were happy enough with that, right? Now, yeah. I have a couple of, uh, actually have a couple of singles off Paul Stanley's album. None of them are good. Like, none of them are good. Like, Gene Simmons' one is mad. He's like, they own covers and it's real crooner fucking Las Vegas style shit. Um, so it's another reload by Tom Jones. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, Stanley's one is a little bit closer to kind of like that rock and roll formula. I know Chris's one, I think, um, 
think Chris's one was like fucking. Uh, that was the only one that had a, a hit single, and it, that was a cover as well. So I, I think each one, each person took like a week and a half in the studio and just belted out fucking eleven, twelve songs. There's me fucking solo album, and they didn't sell well whatsoever. So what they done, the label, they went back and they read on the covers of the albums to like just say Kiss as opposed to the person's name, and then they released these. Uh, I think they released these like wall hanger poster things that you could. You could fit all four LPs into that, like formed a big picture of Kiss or something. They were trying to use, like, you know, a Pokemon card fucking mentality, essentially, like Tops or Maryland card uh, fucking psychology They're to try and get so people to buy it. Driven. I know oh, we always say it, but it's it's big time. It's actually painful. Big time. Uh, turning turn people into like super collectors. It's just... Exactly. Well, they, you can get Kiss coffins. Fucking. Now, I can't give out because up until, Jesus, up until like 10, 15 years ago, anything, and I mean anything, that had uh, Misfits Fiend face or Misfits logo yeah. on it. I bought. I had Misfits shoelaces. <laughs> yeah. I had Misfits jocks, socks. I, fuck, I have Misfits tattoos on me. But I, you name it. I fucking t-shirts, hoodies, hats. You fucking name it. I bought Misfits stuff. I had Misfits air, uh, car air fresheners. You're like, I just, I bought into it. Because I think, I think that the Misfits logo, the Fiend face, is the greatest piece of fucking like, music imagery ever made. Like it just, I can't, I can't find fault with it. It's perfect. And Kiss were the guys who opened up that fucking gate, you know. Uh, here's something weird that I found out as well. In 1999, Kiss joined forces with WCW Wrestling, right, which is Ted Turner's wrestling company. Right. And uh, they, they, <laughs> I don't know whether they approached WCW or WCW approached them, but they done this kind of collaboration with them to create create a wrestler, right. So. They created this wrestler called The Demon. He was like roughly based on Gene Simmons' kind of fucking, you know, he wore like the big boots and he had the bat wings and he had the makeup and all this kind of shit. He licked his tongue around his fucking gob, all this type of bullshit. And uh, apparently for, like they'd been making a big deal out of fucking, you know, Kiss is working with WCW and all this kind of shit. So Kiss said, listen, here's what we'll do. Uh, We'll come out and we'll play a song, right? We'll play a song on uh, Monday Night Nitro, which is like their big big, uh, show. And uh, we'll come out and we'll play a song that'll be like his like entrance to the ring and you know be fucking be deadly. So we're like, oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Let's 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 fucking do it. So the fucking demon comes out, gets into the ring, whatever, wins the fucking match. But for his entrance music, Kiss are there. They play one single song and they got paid five hundred thousand dollars to play one song, one single song. They didn't even stick around. Played the song, fucked off. You know what I mean, that was the oh, end of it. Uh, what did they play they played God of Thunder is what they played right. and uh, so your man goes out half a million dollars bang back pocket off they go now it turns out we find out later um, later on that that episode of WCW Nitro was the lowest rated episode of wrestling what? ever ever recorded that's a bad investment on their part yeah. they, they, the reason WCW folded because they spent so much money on nonsense and let the wrestlers have the run of fucking things so I guarantee you somebody also you're dealing with WCW who also brought the misfits in when they had Michael Graves singing for them, who were an actual tag this, team. Now, do you know what they should have done? Paid enough money to see Kiss versus the Misfits in a fucking... It could have happened. They went a million miles away from each other in, in time. Team. Imagine that. Only a year or two between them, because I think we the Misfits had, uh, don't good put, business. We, we, we put them against each other in a poll on, our, we did. on, uh, on Facebook. We did. Won the, Misfits won. Misfits battered Kiss. Yeah, smashed Kiss to bits. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Kiss, but every incarnation of the Misfits is better than Kiss. Yeah. 
Like, I, I have to give him that. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, man is a prick, but the, that music is fucking superb. And that's the lowest rated wrestling show of all time. Like, it just... <laughs> no, the, the demon only lasted like two weeks after that before they got rid of him. They were fucking... We can't be involved in this anymore. Now... Should have got Billy Corgan. <laughs> Should have got Billy Corgan. Yeah, he's got NWA now. Um, he's charging a fortune, I think, for um, footage, I think, at the moment. Um, old footage from the 70s and 80s. He's like fucking looking for mad money. Does he own all of it now? He obviously. owns NWA, yeah, the National Wrestling, Wrestling Alliance. He owns it, owns it. He bought it for nothing. For nothing. WWE would have you believe that none of that matters anymore, but loads of people still love fucking that more than they do. Super important, yeah. Yeah. yeah look, that's, that's that's the, it's the foundations of it all. You know, Rick Flair and all came from. Oh yeah, yeah. Them, yeah. exactly. It's the, literally the foundations of of everything that you see on yeah. whatever wrestling now. Uh, it's pretty much all NWA. Um, okay, so this is fucking mental, right? Here we go. I'm, I'm going to give there, you. Sorry, <laughs> no, you're right. I'm just reading this list here that I'm going to run through here. Okay, so Kiss in the year 2000 say, "Listen, we're going to do a, a farewell tour." You know, where uh, we again we might record a few albums every now and again, but like you know, everybody's getting on and we have our own. You know, Gene Simmons just suing people for using semicolons and shit. Like we're fucking, we're 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 on the hair. You know, we're, we've got our own little businesses going, and uh, I think we're going to slow down, kiss, and just do fucking maybe a gig every now and again randomly. Um, because they do this cruise, the kiss cruise, <clears throat> so we might do that. And we might record a few albums, but you know, we're done touring. We're not doing these world tours anymore. So they started it in the year two thousand. Right. So they've done their farewell tour from 2000 to 2001. And then it gets all quiet for a little bit. And then in 2003, they go on a big world tour with Aerosmith. And then in 2004, they go on Which a big world know, tour. It's the worst band name of all time. Exactly. Yeah. The, more, the more I say it to people, the more they start going, oh my God, it's terrible. Exactly. So bear in mind, Kiss have done their farewell tour that finished in 2001. They toured the world, sold tickets off the back of it, being their last ever gigs. Right? They're like, listen, we're done touring. This is it, like. If you love Kiss, come and see us on these 2000 to 2001 fucking we're doing one year of solid world tours and we're done. We're out, right? Fucking One band you can never trust. With you them. cannot trust Kiss whatsoever. They are fucking lying to you every single time. And I've got the proof that they're lying to you because they finished their, they finished their final tour in 2001, 2003, off they go with Aerosmith, 2004, off they go with Poison. They do a couple of shows in 2005. They do a couple of shows in 2006. In 2008, they do a European tour. In 2008, they do a world tour. In 2009, they do a South American tour. They put out a new album in 2009. They do a European tour in 2010. In 2011, they do a bunch of Canadian and US shows. They put another album out in 2012 so in 2012 they go on a world tour in 2014 they go on a world tour with Def Leppard in 2016 they do a small city tour of the US of big of cities that they've missed in the past 2018 they do a USA and Canadian tour and then they fucking announce it this is like six months ago they turn around and they say we're going to do our final gig of our final tour it's going to be July 17th 2021 in Madison Square Gardens in New York City so do you believe them, Helmet? Well, I saw them in that time that you mentioned there, so no, yeah. I don't believe it at all. They're lying. They're fucking lying. Now, that's eventually annoying, they will. Man. That's like... That's like I, do, I literally thing. just listed off... a limited pressing of something and then there's not a limited pressing of it. Add more. I, I listed off 17 years worth of touring after their final tour, just there. <laughs> and I didn't even cover all of it. There was loads more. 17 years of touring after their final tour. 
You know what I mean? Like, just scumbaggery. Now, again, I do think they want to do it, but I think every now and again, somebody just throws some money at them. And a kiss tour must be pretty handy. They have all the pyrotechnics, they have all the trucks, and they've got the wigs and makeup. You know, it doesn't take much. I'm sure they travel in absolute luxury and absolute style. And, you know, it, it doesn't hurt them to do it. Like, they're a huge fucking band. Like, mm. I don't know. But I think they will eventually. All of them have to. But I don't believe them. I'm, I'm over kiss. I'm going to overkiss as well. I still every now and again a bang fucking. Oh, do you know what? I knew they saw they, they were playing grass pop when yeah. I was supposed to go, and I didn't want to go to that one because I had seen them a while ago, and I was not pushed to go to that gig that they played mm. in Dublin. It was the last last gig of the. That well, might have been the, their lawyers. Yeah, that, like, that was part of the well, final tour as well. Yeah. It was an incredible. That was like four movie. years ago or something. No, it was longer than that. There was, was another one four or five years ago. There was one in. Oh, there um, was the Tree Arena. Yeah, the one I saw on the tree arena must have been about eight years ago. Less, yeah. less, and it was absolutely incredible, I have to admit. Jesus, it was there you go. And apparently, they're, uh, the last couple of years, they've been using backing tracks. For the last 10 years, apparently, it's all backing tracks. They're just miming. They're not playing at all. Yeah. They got, they well, got uh, stung for that. And he, uh, Paul Stanley came out and said, well, I have to look after my voice. Like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Not, not driving a car, like in the fucking Eddie Irvine or whatever. Yeah. Or fucking, no, what's the name? Lewis Hamilton. Well, I have to look after my car. So exactly. I'm gonna, I'm going to send someone else out in a different car. A good robot car. Yeah, exactly. I'm myself. Yeah, come on. Uh, that was Kiss. Who is your next one? Looking out a dirty old window. It's yeah. Kim Wilde. Kim Wilde. Kim Wilde's another person that's fucking me up on this now because in my head, Kim mm. Wilde had retired from music forever. But of course, I remember she's in the 80s and when I checked back, she'd gone back again. But she did give up for, for Jesus, I think over 10 years. So, so. It counts, but she born to me, so fuck her. Mm. We all know Kim Wilde, Kids in America, View from a Bridge, You Keep Me Hanging On. She actually holds the record for being the most charted British female solo act of the 1980s. Take that, Kate Bush. Mm. Even though a lot of them were in the 70s. Also, Kate Bush is phenomenally rare. But look, Kim Wilde was massive. She had, Jesus, I think it was something like 25 top... Top 20 hits really? in a row in America or something fucking mad like that. That's fucking, that's big numbers. I had that there and I deleted She had 25 big massive songs in her own. I, mean, I don't remember, I only remember those big ones. But then again, you go back and check, there's lots of ballads and I go, oh, you remember those? Yeah, yeah. But she quit music when she realized that Michael Jackson was in a bad way. Really? And she goes, I don't want that to happen to me. I'm like, bit of a difference now there, but okay, yeah. I'll see your point. So she began gardening. She'd already been kind of gardening in the 90s. No, this is mad, right? She oh, began yeah. gardening in the 90s, right? And she moved to the countryside. Yeah. And she won a gold medal award for the best courtyard garden at the Chelsea Flower Show of 2005. <laughs> so what she did was she decided to give it all up properly, living out in the country. Yeah. Became, um, started a new career as a landscape gardener. And she started presenting shows on BBC and Channel 4 about uh, landscape gardening and all that. It's fucking mad. I've started to read more and more about this, and then I read that she was still torn like a mad thing. Like, I was like, oh, fuck you, Kim. Yeah, in my head, you'd quit. Them. You, I was like, I had that in my head. You know when you have the scene in your head, you never go back to check. Yeah. Kim Wilde had quit to become, I wouldn't say a gardener, I'd say a landscape expert. And she was great at it. And it's such an unusual thing to change. But I think she... I think it was between 2009 
and then recently so 10 years i think 10 years i think before she started to start tour like mad again because we've seen those eighties things rolling through town those oh yeah yeah they, they pop they, they rear their ugly head every now and again I'd say they're all right, but there's, there's going to be a bang of desperation off, like a lot of them. Yeah, I think so. So I'm not giving you any more time, Kim. You went back to her and it made me think for ages you were, and I put you on the list, and I came to do the, the research for it. I was like, oh, fuck it, she loads, loads of gigs. But she did, in my defense and her defense, give up for years to become a landscape gardener. Who's your next one? Uh, okay, right, my last one. Uh, my last one is Bob Seeger. I had to turn the page there. I forgot to turn the page on my notes. Uh, ah, Bob Seeger turned the page. All right. No, so I pick, it's not his song. It's one of them, yeah. Uh, Bob Seeger. Okay, so I picked Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. I played this on our, uh, our, our fucking Saturday night shows a couple of times. I fucking love the song to bits. Uh, Bob Seeger's a weird... It is a Bob Seeger song. Yeah, oh, yeah. shit. Turn, turn. Metallica covered it. Turn the page. Here I go again. That's, I genuinely thought you were making the funniest joke. I've heard you made in years. No, not that. I ha- it's Bob Seger. I have to do it today. It's it's Sunday. It's not happening, man. Still fucking great though. I'm barely here. You could you could edit the bit out where I go no joke, and you go yeah, that was my joke. Yeah, that was the joke. We'll let, we'll let let you have the the, the leg up on it. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Bob Seger, rambling gambling man, uh, super song. <coughs> so Bob uh, Robert Clark Seger, born in 1945 in Detroit. We're back to Detroit again. Uh, he basically spans about six decades making music which is fucking mad weird covers an awful lot of fucking space this lad Uh, sold 75 million records which is fucking insane 75 million records but it's the legend of Bob Seger is very very unusual he is really only mega popular in Detroit no no No, I don't don't know we get through this right like, he's monstrous. He's very. Don't get me wrong. He's fuck. He's a big name. He's a big name in now. Hollywood Nights. What a fucking banger. Go on, sorry, bro. In his fucking height, no one wanted anything to do with him. Even like when he was doing like Silver Bullet Band and shit like that. Like no one had anything to do with him, right? So he started mm-hmm. off singer of a local band called the Decibels. And then he went on. He, he jumped between a lot of different fucking bands. He, his career is fucking insane, right? If you look at the albums he's been on. He does this thing, like like we were saying about, about Jello Biafra earlier, where it's like, he, he just jump on someone else's album and mm. do a couple of songs and then fuck off. And it's like, well, what are you doing tomorrow, Bob? And he's like, I don't know, man. Uh, might just do a gig with fucking U2 or something. Like, it, it's, it, he had, there's no rhyme or reason to his career. You know what I mean? He, he ends up forming the, what's called the Bob Seger system. Yeah, the second yeah. single, second single they ever put out was Bob Seger System is uh, this song "Rambling Gambling Man." Uh, this would be one of his one of his bigger fucking kind of shit kicker honky tonky kind of songs. Uh, Nineteen seventy four, he uh, knocks out the head, and he's for, he does like I said, the Silver Bullet Band. Um, after Bob Seger System, so Bob Seger System yeah. lasts for a while, and then the, I think the record label turned around and said, "Don't call it that, just be Bob Seger." And he's like, "No, I want to have a band." So he forms this fucking Silver Bullet Band. Now he's always done real well in Detroit, but he always like most of his records sold in the Michigan area. Most of his gigs always sold out in the Michigan area. And when he moved away from Michigan, he had awful trouble. Like he played the fucking the Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit one night to eighty thousand people, and the next night he played in Chicago to less than a thousand. 
Like that's mm. how how beloved he was in Michigan. Maybe I'm just thinking of it like now retrospectively. He's now huge he's a in big America. name, one hundred percent. Like in, in his height in the fucking seventies and eighties, like he was a he, don't get me wrong, he was a fucking rock and roll name. Like everybody knew Bob Seger, but he wasn't fucking selling out like massive gigs. Like now we, we get to look back and you get to see like this massive career, the amount of albums he put out, and mm. how influential he was, and all this kind of shit. But back in the day. Like that, that's a big 80,000 one night and less than a thousand the next. Like, yeah. and it's four hours away. Like, I've driven from Detroit to Chicago. Like, it's a piece of piss. You know what I mean? Like, people would have came from Chicago to go to that Detroit gig and vice versa. And less than a thousand people the next day, which is fucking crazy. He had, he yeah. co wrote um, Heartache Tonight with the Eagles as well. He, um, Gonna one of the guys, Heartache Tonight. Honey, I think that's the sister. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, uh, in one of his earlier bands, I think it might have been the Bob Seger system. I think maybe the keyboard player from the Eagles was in one of his early bands. So he always had these big uh, connections to the Eagles. Um, there was a couple of guys that ended up in the Eagles might have been in his early uh, groups as well. He toured with a couple of them uh, way down. So in the late 90s, he started kind of slowing down, but he's still releasing albums all the way into the 2000s. And uh, so he keeps putting stuff out to keep himself occupied. But around 2018, he says, John, what? I'm fucking out of here, man. I'm, I've enough of this. So he says, this is my final tour. 2018, it's called the Traveling Man Tour. And uh, he's done it. And that's it. And as far as I know, Bob Seger might have done the odd gig here and there, but he hasn't done any more tours. He's knocked it on the head completely. Um, nice. He's jumped around a little bit, done a few bits and bobs. He's getting on, like, you know. He's, he's born, yeah. born in 1940, fucking five, like. You know what I mean? He's born during World War II. Some of his um, songs are just perfection that is murderous cunt uh, 18 albums 2 live albums and 5 compilations like best ofs and stuff like that mm. um, they put a, he put a good one out there when was it 5 or 6 years ago they done this thing where they put together loads of his earliest recordings and they put it out in like a 3 or 4 disc it's a, I think it's CD only I'm sure there's maybe an LP version of it, but usually yeah. for, the, for those those compilations you're always better off going to CD because they fit more on it the, the LP is always a fuck all they never have the, the correct amount of songs. I know. It's annoying because they want to the fit it onto the same amount of, like, exactly. they want it to sound good and fit it onto the certain amount. Yeah, you always end up half of the stuff because I always wanted to buy that, um, uh, that Prodigy, the best of the Prodigy, Their Law, and the mm-hmm. CD one has the, the second disc with all the remixes, the Pendulum remix of Voodoo People and stuff. It's fucking great. The remixes are deadly because the Prodigy are one of the bands that just lean towards remixes really well. And um, so I have the CD version, but the LP version just has all the Prodigy songs, and I have most of them on LP anyway. Although I did go oh, no. to look, I went to buy, uh, went to go and see how much I was outnumbered and never outgunned was on LP the other day. Bananas money. It's Fucking like, it's like bananas. Jeff Buckley's Grace, the CD <coughs> one has Forget Her, but the record one doesn't. I think they might have released a version of the vinyl with, yeah, with Forget that Her, one. which is, Jesus, that song. Oh, Super. God. Anyway, that was Bob Seger. Who was your last one? Um... My last one is Bill Withers. Bill Withers quit music. He just quit. He just went, I'm going to quit music. I am out. Yeah, so everyone knows Bill Withers from Lovely Day. Mm-hmm. And I wake up in the morning. If you don't know that song, you'll know Ain't No Sunshine. If you don't know that song, you'll know Use Me. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that, you'll know Just the Two of Us, which was covered by Will Schmidt. If you don't know that, you'll know Lean On Me. Bill Withers powerhouse for 15 years from 1970 to 85. Just banger, 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 banger. Um, the funny story I was reading about Bill mm-hmm. Withers there the other week. 
he was laid off from his factory job a few months just before he released his big, one of his four singles, Just really? As I Am, um, just before that came out. And after the album was released, he said he received two letters on the exact same day. One was from his workplace asking him to come back. Mm. And the other one was from The Tonight Show. <laughs> Imagine that. But those two letters. Ooh, which one am I going to go for? He mm. appeared in 1971 on The Tonight Show. Mm. But um, Ain't No Sunshine, another classic story of the DJ flipping the record over. It was a B-side. It was a that B-side. happens a lot. Long Harlem, yeah. Um, he said that, that was never supposed to be a big song and he said he was very surprised that it was. Uh, th- that's mad. I love those stories, but a B-side, mm. because, like a DJ flipping, like this song is great, it'll flip it over. Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Sometimes DJs know more than record executives apparently. That could be actually, that, when you think about it, that could be a great podcast. It would. be so- Major songs that started off as B-sides. There you go. Yes, you there you go, folks. That. You just saw the creation of a podcast. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, so, up until recently, he sat in his gaff since the 80s in an Adidas tracksuit. And he was reading, <laughs> I was reading an interview with him recently where he mm. said, I wouldn't know a pop chart from a pop tart. <laughs> what a quote, Bill Withers. What a fucking brilliant quote. Another thing he said in the interview, he said, years and years, because he was like, I can remember what Bill Withers looks like in the 70s from the pictures. Mm. But no one would remember what he looked like. After that, because he grew old mm. from '85 to to now. No, he died this year. He died yeah, in that's right, March. Yeah. Just March was gone at mm. the age of 81. Mm. But he said uh, years and years ago he was having breakfast uh, in a diner and he heard "Ladies Next" was the song. His song came on. They were like, "Oh my yeah. god, I love this mm-hmm. song. It's my favorite song of all time." And after he finished, he walked up and he went, hey, "It's uh, I wrote that." And they went. No, you didn't. Oh. <laughs> and he was like, "No, I'm Bill Withers." They went, "Yeah, you look nothing like him." And he's like, "No, but like I am." And yeah. and he just went, "Fuck this!" The awkwardness that imagine the awkwardness. Oh. Like, imagine the awkwardness. he was probably just trying to be nice, like, "Hey," and they're like, "Oh my god, it's you! That's so nice to see." It's what he has yeah. no. They actually said, "You're too white looking." Really? Yeah, because he's very light skinned. Yeah, yeah. And like in the in the set in the album covers, we all see it in black and white. He just looks yeah, dark. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, that's what they said to me. Um. He has been begged. He was before he passed. Obviously, begged numerous times, begged, asked, yeah, yeah, yeah. offered money to come back. Uh, but he so genuinely was so genuinely ambivalent to it all. I'm mm. done. And when you fucking, he used to tease all the time. I might come up with another really? album, and people were like, "Oh, really?" He goes, "Nah, I'm not doing it now." <laughs> like sitting as he liked sitting as he just. I keep saying like he's still like I keep forgetting that he's. It's just it was too. It's too soon. It's too soon, Gar. Yeah. You know? Too soon, fucking but, uh, sitting around with a pair of fucking Adidas bleeding tracksuit bottoms or whatever, uh, just looking out a window. Yeah, in Hollywood, fucking right. Or in uh, West Hollywood, yeah. He, uh, I love that Alan Parker joke. We can't use that joke anymore now, though. Because that was Bill Withers, who thankfully is still with us. Uh, I know he's not, he can't make that joke anymore. Yeah, a lot of time for Bill Withers. That song, listen to the drums on "Use Me." So mm. It's the song that I put up there. Listen to the drums. "Use Me" is a super song. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he. Super that's sad. one of the most extreme examples of quitting and staying quit. Staying quitted. Staying out. Fifteen years, and he said to the record, he had a meet with him, he had a meet with him and said, "I'm done now." And they went, mm, "Okay, mm. I guess." For whatever yeah. he said, he goes, he probably we probably ran out his deal, his record deal, and went, "I'm done now." Quite possibly from '85 again. We were like, when did fucking Dead Kennedys give up? '88, '86, I think. 
That's when mad. They, they gave up around the same time. Yeah. That's nuts. Anyway, that was our... I'm out. The uh, artists have decided that they had had enough of either touring yes. uh, or recording or both. And that's us out. And we will be oh. back next week. Uh, this Saturday... I just realised... Sorry, I just realised people are going to think when they read this, this is going to be a suicide... Okay. <laughs> Suicide, but that's the Guaranteed, new idea. They'll, they'll, think, they'll think that we, they'll think that we did. No, they'll think that we did. I'm out. Like artists that commit suicide, absolutely never going to do that podcast. And uh, no, that's a bit grim. It's a little bit. Yeah, grim. yeah it's still because <laughs> we just realize. Look at that. They go. That looks. I bet you they think we did. They, that. they might think that. No, that's not the case. Uh, we are back. We're not doing television this Saturday. We're doing radio. So uh, power up your Mixler accounts. Um, we're gonna do looks Those like we're gonna do the TV things. thing. That was all that things. Yeah, it looks like we're gonna do the the TV thing pretty much every second week, and we're gonna do radio in the weeks in between. That's the plan at yeah. the moment. Um, uh, show last night was fun. I enjoyed doing the show on Saturday. Uh, we had <laughs> no surreal moments, some batshit mad moments. Basically, what we want we want to do, we want to make sure that when we do the TV, we actually have stuff to fill up the hours because it's different sitting at home doing four hours talking shit and just playing oh, it music. Yeah. It's a different animal because uh, we're playing records. You can only bring X amount of records in. You know, we can't bring the entire collection in at home. We need a fucking band. Um, so we have to fill uh, a lot more time kind of on camera, and we don't want to be just yeah, sitting M- there. MP trees are very low. Yeah, exactly. So, so we don't, we don't want to be just sitting there like, what did you do today? And that's boring. We want to make sure we have stuff. So we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take two weeks every time to kind of get our shit together and make sure we actually have a little bit of a show for you. So uh, that's the Mixler this Saturday. New podcast as always every Monday. And if you want to help us, you got the Patreon dot com forward slash Last Hour Podcast. That's a uh, five euro a month. It's a subscription subscription based thing. Yeah, uh, there's loads of uh, exclusive stuff up there. Exclusive podcasts, exclusive videos, all sorts of madness. Up there to get access to. You don't want to do that. That's fine. Uh, you can go to kofi.com. The links up, are up on the Facebook page. Go to kofi.com forward slash Lost Art Podcast. They're three euro incremental. Pay whenever you want. You want to just throw us three quid. You want to throw us six, nine, twelve. If you laughed 12. a lot at this, and that, that laugh was worth three quid. Throw that. Yeah. Exactly. If pay us for what we're doing, it's fucking. We need it because we're buying equipment and there's fucking hosting hurts. Hosting is actually hurting me right now. So um. Uh, we need your help to keep going so do that shit if you have no money that's fine I ain't got no fucking money either just share us on Facebook Facebook is our main kind of bit of social media unfortunately uh, because it's I mean, a, if, you're not, if, if you know that there's nothing you can give and you're enjoying it and you don't share even it. share as well share but it. if you don't even do that you have to ask yourself is that fair and exactly. the answer is Fuck no. Fuck no, it's not Fuck fair. Fuck you as well. <laughs> yeah, share it, rate, review, subscribe on the podcast apps. Run all the podcast apps. Tell Just, one of your fucking mates. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know to tell you anymore. Yeah, exactly. some of you are doing great work, I will tell you that. Some of you are doing uh, great absolutely, work. Absolutely, 100%. Um, the ones who are doing great work are... We remember you, though, and we won't kill you. We will absolutely remember you. And uh, they'll only cover a certain amount of you. <laughs> so yeah. some of you are going to have to up your fucking game here because we see the numbers every week and uh, we see what interactions we have every week. I mean, now we're getting capped by Facebook. That's fine. That's the nature of the beast. But yeah, we're not getting capped that fucking much. So share it, subscribe, fucking stars, whatever the fuck you do. Give us a well, fucking rate. At least, you know, you're more than welcome to disagree with us as well. There has oh, yeah. to be more disagreements with us. You're going to start giving us fucking big heads thinking we're fucking authority on this shit. Just say, no, that addition to that playlist for that reason was bullshit yeah, call it out I exactly. swear to god we'd love it we won't fucking make a show you're not going to be a dickhead about it no no just be sound um, and tell us some bull- tell us that we're acting the bollocks or tell us we fucked up and that's fine I love fucking up because uh, someone will tell me something else and I'll go find something new that's what I want that's how we um, learn 
that's how we learn but anyway that's it for this week gang we are back uh, next Monday with a fresh podcast and we're back on Saturday with a radio show um, that we haven't really come up with a theme but yet we'll announce that this week when we create the event on Facebook uh, thank you very much good night yeah